Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that guarantees to get your mouth watering and your stomach rumbling, or you will get your money back. I'm your host, Al Mancini, the only food writer in America, at least that I know of, who brings more hair colors to the dinner table than the number of courses in a chef's tasting menu. Engineering for us, as always, keeping the train on the track and making sure we all survive the ride, our very own Casey Jones, the one and only (laughs) Mr. Rich Johnson. I had no time at all to prepare any train puns, which is probably for the best. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm worried about what your train puns are. No, no, no. Uh, we are coming to you for this episode from Bar Zazu in Resorts World, where we are joined by two amazing chefs, Chef Nicole Brisson and Chef Rob Moore. Chef Nicole is, of course, the executive chef at both Brezza and the neighboring Bar Zazu. Chef Rob is a veteran of Prime and John George Steak on the, sh- on the Strip and Rosa Ristorante in Henderson. Hello, chefs. Hello. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for hosting us. First of all, this room is beautiful, yeah. as always. I love it in Barzazu. Such and, a great background. Yes. And if anybody <laughs> out there is wondering, I mean, yeah, it's cool because like these these um, gorgeous digital art pieces of artwork, for those of you who haven't been here to Barzazu, they're, they're, they're really cool. They're kind of like sexy modern takes on feminine beauty. But there's a different one sort of in every one of these digital frames around the room, but they change for you. So you don't have to go up and like look at the other ones it's, across it's the bar. It's perfect for Women's History Month. I was yes. <laughs> it's a little more Frida Kahlo than it is uh, Giorgio O'Keefe, but that's just fine and tasteful. Yeah. And we will be talking a bit about you and um, Women's History Month a little later in the show. And actually, if anybody's wondering why we're here and if there's any significance to having both of these fantastic chefs in one room together... Well, you can pat yourselves on the back for being a perceptive person because there certainly is. I can't, man, I'm popping peas all over there. (laughs) I'm just writing all the peas into my thing. Anyway, if you're wondering if there's a significance to having them both here, yes, there certainly is. They both have some news to share, both individually and together. And we're going to be discussing that in detail with the two of them in about 15 or 20 minutes. But until then, since we are without an official co-host today, sorry, Gemini, that you can't be with us, um, I've asked them to sit in for the top of the show. So thank you guys for um, being game for that as well. Of course. course, Always. We always start the show off with a rundown of where and what we have been eating in the hopes that we'll inspire people out there to eat eat out more frequently or get some creative um, tips on how to be a good home cook. Although that's really all rich and Gemini, because yeah. <laughs> when you ask what I'm making for dinner, it's reservations. Yes. Um, so I do have a bunch of places to talk about this week, and I'm sure Rich does as well. But first, I wanted to reach out to you guys. Uh, Nicole, Rob, where have you been eating recently that's memorable? I'm going to take it. Go for it. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I've been working a lot of hours lately, and I'm a creature of habit, and uh, I tend to stay close to home when I get home. So uh, Roberto is a good friend of mine, the owner of Anima by EDO, and I was just recently visiting them and seeing their new dishes that they put on the menu. They have a fantastic new lamb dish. Um, Their new caprese set is absolutely beautiful. Um, and then Jamie Tran from uh, Black Sheep, she just recently changed the menu items as well. So I got to oh. kind of... She's going there tomorrow. So oh, what perfect. should I tell her to get? <clears throat> um, I would ever try any of the new items, honestly. <laughs> I've, I've eaten through that menu so many times, but it's it's a little piece. When I'm when I'm not prepared to cook at home and I have nothing left in the fridge, it's my go-to. You know, I'm not, I know we're not going to talk about where you ate there, but you also were at T-Mobile Arena. My wife saw you there. I, I didn't get back into the into T-Mobile till Sunday, um, but she was there last week when you were there for Women's History Month, and you actually got to, to turn that um, air raid siren, siren and do all that <laughs> shit, man. How badass was that? Oh, my God. Um, anybody who knows me well, I'm not very much a sports person, and I would say that Vegas is gradually making me a sports person. I've really enjoyed going to the Raiders game for the first time this year. Uh, this is my third night's game, and to have it on Women's History Month and doing the siren, we're surrounded by friends and colleagues, and it was it was probably the best night I've ever had in Vegas. Wow. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a high well, bar. Congratulations on that, and um, you brought them some luck. That was a, that was a rough game, man. <laughs> it was. It was right down till the end, but they did end up with, with the two points out of that game, so you, you should be able to go back and do that all the time, I think. <laughs> also, I saw when I was there on Sunday, Chef Mark LaRusso from Wynn um, got to do it. I don't know what he was celebrating, what well, the event Bri- was. Brian Howard just did it, too, so it's, yeah. it's, I, they're really featuring a lot of local chefs, which is great. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> 
So, um, <laughs> Chef Rob, how about you? Have you been, first of all, have you done any major sporting events where you've been the featured <laughs> talent recently? Are you playing no, with the Raiders next year? I no, most definitely not. Um, highlight of my season was uh, I got to go out on the field after the game, got to stand on the 50-yard line and take a couple pictures. It was, uh, you know, going out there was kind of emotional walking out onto that field for the first time in your life, you know. Yeah, that's pretty badass. It was really badass. I got down to the field for the, the one game that I was at cooking, and then Sue got us kicked out because, um, well, that's the whole thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, so I have barely seen anything of a Raiders game yet. Um, Rob, where have you been eating, man? Well, Nicole hit it on the head, you know, EDO. She goes to Anima, I go to EDO, you know. I sit down, Roberto just takes good care of me. Um, but most recently, uh, you know, I got to go over to Bala, hanging out with my friend Sean McLean and seeing what they're doing over there, you know. They do a great job. Yeah, <laughs> they just rolled out some new menu items over there. I haven't they been sure in, did. I was over there talking to them about it, um, but I didn't actually get to try any of them. But Bala is a really, really solid restaurant, man. I really like it. And for a, um, for a place on the strip, pretty affordable. Yeah, the food and is great. Definitely doing doing some Italian dishes that you're not seeing in every other Italian restaurant on the Strip, which is cool. For sure. I want to ask you both because this is something that when I go to a radio station, I'm always going or listening and I'm going, oh, I could do this, I could do that. I can't enjoy the station. Can you just sit back and just enjoy the food in the moment? Or are you always kind of going, well, oh, I could take that, I could do this? You know, when when I was younger, much more so critiquing and I, I think the older you get and the more seasons you get you you have ha expectations for everywhere you go you know if, if I'm going to Chinatown I'm probably not critiquing the service <laughs> if I'm, <laughs> yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. spending $300 I had on this trip I might be a, lo a little more critical but um, I think you have expectations for every kind of place you go to I just sit back and relax you know when <laughs> I, I was out recently at a, an opening of a chef's counter and uh, somebody asked me to like just start breaking down the dishes for them. I'm like, that's not what I do. And she's like, I really want to understand, you know, what it is and, and what you see in this. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it for this one time, but this isn't how I roll. I just want to sit down. I want to eat food. I want to drink wine, and I just want to have a good time. And that's why I'm here. You know, it, I agree with you so much. It is a lot of work to critique a meal, and yeah. to, and it's by the way to cr properly critique a meal is difficult to fairly and properly critique a meal in a way that you would say out loud to somebody that, you know, that you have your name attached, write it down. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty difficult to do, even though everybody thinks they can do it and everybody wants to critique meals. And, you know, obviously my job is that if I'm someplace new, I'm going to have to talk about it. So I have to take notes on absolutely everything I eat. I don't like doing, you know, it, yeah. it takes a lot of the fun away. It's a lot and of energy. I don't understand why people who don't have to do it for a living decide to hyper fucking critique every dish that they are brought. It's not your job. And I know, I mean, it's almost, I blame in some degree. Yeah. I'm going to go off on a tangent here. So, um, I blame to a certain degree, rich, brought up the topic so um, you know i'm yeah. just carrying it on note to listener it'll be about 30 before we get to the big review <laughs> yeah right um no look i feel like we've watched so much fucking gordon ramsay and food tv shows and food competitions and chopped where the judges are there because it's a competition so they have to hyperanalyze everything that a poor bunch of bastards out there have been deluded into thinking that's the way to enjoy a meal is to hyper critique it and i'm just here to say don't do that just enjoy the fucking meal well it goes back to the age-old question of everybody like oh i'm so afraid to cook like you're a chef but as a chef i'm just so happy not to cook something right. you know <laughs> just feed me yeah oh, one last note october nascar i'll take you and get you into another sport Okay. Okay. I grew up in upstate New York, so NASCAR was big there. Oh, yeah. The Poconos and, oh, Watkins Glen. Yeah, I've never been. Oh, we'll fix that. <laughs> okay. Um, well, now that we've made yeah, that. I know. I totally buttons. crashed the show here. No, I'm you know, no. I was already way off on pick a up a tangent, chef and so that's fine. Um, okay, look. So let's, I guess, talk about where I've been eating, and then we'll let Rich talk about where he's been eating. Um, look, I was invited to a press meal at Shake Shack in the district, and I try to go there whenever I'm invited because I'm always excited to catch up with their publicist, Alyssa Kelly, and all the cool food journalists that she always gets to come out when she does these events. Um, 
you know, but I was particularly interested, not just for the social aspect of going to Shake Shack and seeing my friends, but in going to this tasting because it was showing off Shake Shack's new white truffle menu. <laughs> and honestly, if anyone could think of five more awkward words for serious booties <laughs> than Shake Shack's white truffle menu, you are a more articulate or a creative yeah. person than I. Uh, because let's be honest, we all love Shake Shack, perhaps a bit more than we should. I mean, it's not even a nostalgia thing for me. I actually moved out of New York City the same summer that Danny Meyer opened his first hot dog stand in Madison Park. So I didn't have a Shake Shack until they opened a location in New York, New York. But like many people, I love it because it's fucking good, a lot better than most fast food even tries to be, while sticking to the roots of what fast food should be. So yes, like just about everyone else, I love Shake Shack. Do you guys love Shake Shack? Anybody love Shake Shack besides me? Like, I do, yes. Yeah. Uh, I've only had it maybe once. Same here. <laughs> And I wouldn't go all the way down there to go get it to have that, you know. No, no, I, I don't would need never a lot of fast food for to begin it, with. But, but if I'm in the district and I'm right there, I might pop yeah. in and have that little nostalgic bite. Yeah, I was I'm, in D.C. when the madness spread from New York to D.C., one of their first expansions out of New York. And it was, you know, everybody going crazy. And then they said, it's a very nice burger. It is. Mm -hmm. a, it is and an above, let's just leave it there. It's an above average fast food place, which is And it was not great. very fast. If they make an order, you know, it's. Yeah. But yeah. it's, but you know, yeah, look, I'm so when I get that craving once every, you know, four months, five months that I really want right. fast food and one is in my line of sight and I see a Shake Shack, I will go there, you so know. How so, are the truffle items? I dig it. Okay. So. <laughs> Thank you for getting. They started. were, they were actually good. Good. Right, but I, but but let's be fair. You know, anyone who has tasted truffles loves white truffles, and they're fantastic. I love them as much as the next guy. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, you know, you want to go. The first person gets them in in the season. We all rush to that restaurant, and the last guy in December for my birthday shaves the last one for me, and I feel very happy. So I love it. But you know, I was like, what the fuck? Right? What's going on with this? So what I found out about this is that. First of all, do not expect to see a white truffle sitting under glass at the Shake Shack or a shaver or any of that shit. If you do, you're delusional. Um, so, But what it is is they have a white truffle sauce yep. that they put on their burgers. They put it on their portobello mushroom sandwiches, and they give it as a dipping sauce for their Parmesan fries. Okay. You're not going to find any truffles in that sauce either because yeah. it's made with truffle oil. oil yeah. And... Right away, I said, okay, this is not, I'm not going to dig this, right? Because we all know, everybody knows you're supposed to hate truffle oil. It's very perfumey. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because for the most part, truffle oil is not made with any real truffles. It's a chemical bullshit compound. And chefs, please correct me if I'm wrong here. But no, it's you're like yeah. right. something, you know, could, they could have made napalm that day, but they decided to make fucking truffle oil <laughs> and they sent it out. And chefs loved it. And a bunch of shitty chefs put it on a bunch of bad fast food, probably in the early 2000s. And everybody had it. And we we all decided we were going to have a backlash against it. So I was going, okay, I'm not going to dig this, right, at Shake Shack. But when I started, re before I had taste, well, what I found out is they use a company called Regalis. It's a white truffle oil. They claim it's organic. Um, I've, I've looked it up. I spent an hour or two researching it online. Um, you know, there's videos of the owner of the company saying, no, there's nothing in here but natural truffles and olive oil that we're, we infused it with. So... Um, Okay, that's cool, right? Yeah. So if that's true, that made sense to me. Now, I also called a food importer that we all know, but I won't mention his name, who lives here in Las Vegas, <laughs> born in Italy, who um, you know actually imports this to America. And even he was a little skeptical. He's like, look, it's good stuff. I know Regalis, it's, it's solid. A lot of expensive restaurants use it, but um, you know, I can't, he's like, I just can't vouch for how they make this stuff, but yeah. if they say that's what they do, then maybe that's what they do. Um, so I don't know if you guys buy that or if you think it's all bullshit. And I'd I mean, love there, there are pure truffle oils out there. They're just very costly. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's far-fetched for a fast food place. <laughs> right. But it's possible, right? Yeah. And if this is a good brand. And so that's what they say that they're using. So with that in mind, I was like, okay, I will allow myself to taste the white truffle burgers. And um, it was actually pretty fucking good. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it was solid. I liked it. I, I'm not going to name the other food writers who were there, but everybody seemed to like it. I posted some pictures, which to me didn't even look that appetizing, and everybody on social media was like, that's because of my photography, no, no other reason. <laughs> uh, everybody on social media was like, oh, thank God they're bringing back truffles at Shake Shack. So apparently it's a thing. 
it was a good thing as far as I'm concerned. It would not get me to go to Shake Shack more than maybe the three times a year I currently go. But um, if I was there and they had white truffle shit, I would buy their white truffle stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, but the problem with it is you, keep, you constantly taste it for like the next two hours afterwards too, so... Yeah, but that that goes with most fast food in general, <laughs> right? Enough, like, yeah, that's that is definitely not. Good. That's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, I lost where I was. Oh, where else have I? Eldorado. El Dorado, yes. My, Sue was craving pozole, so we went to El Dorado Cantina. This is the one on Sunset, right by, you know, backing off to the 215 by Durango. Um, all the food was good. A bowl of red pozole, a trio of mahi tacos, three different enchiladas. My only complaint would be that the tacos had so much shit piled on top of them. The top, do you, you ever go to a restaurant and there's so many toppings yeah. that when you're, if you do try to take a picture of the dish, there's no way. It just looks like a fucking salad. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just so annoying. A little sour cream drizzled on top. Yeah. yeah. So that was these tacos, but they tasted good. They were mahi tacos. They were really good. Um, I would like to see them to get get their tequila program in order. I hate to be a dick about this, but if you're going to sell high-end tequilas and mezcals, you should keep a list with the prices that people can read. I mean, we got in there and you had to scan the QR code for the menu. And then when we went to the tequila list... And we started seeing they had extra añejos, some things that, you know, Sue and I have been interested in tasting recently. So Sue asked me to order something for her. And, you know, when you're going to extra añejos, I mean, you could have a, you could easily you get lucky and you could find a 25 or $30 one. But it can get and then you could definitely go up there and do $100, $150, right? So we saw a couple that were within the price range we wanted to spend. They were sold out of both of them. Hadn't had either of them before. We figured, we'd, you know, she'd give them a try. Um, sold out of both of them. But then... The when the waitress came over and I asked for them and she said, no, we're sold out. And then I said, what do you have? She just started listing, you know, different brands, but she couldn't tell us what the prices were for them. Like it was like uh, one of those kind of deals. Right. Like and that just to me, I don't know, like if you're going to be a standard bar. Yeah, just put your shit behind the bar and I'll go up and I'll look and I'll see what you have. But I think if you're going to do things that are as out of the ordinary of, of extra añejos and some really, really, you know, good tequilas and some pricey tequilas that you should keep an updated list handy. Is this just me nitpicking and being a dick about that? Or is it an annoying <laughs> way to start your experience well, in a restaurant? I think it's, you, you want to know what you're in for. <laughs> yeah, right? Like the, education. I mean, the, the staff yeah. should be knowledgeable on the, the items that they're selling at every level. Yeah, and know what they're selling. So, um, and or just keep an updated list. But okay, so that's my one bitch for today. I mean, I was nice to the truffles, so I kind of had to be a dick to somebody at this point, right? Um, what else? One more restaurant that I went to this week. Vegas Test Kitchen. I was able to try dishes from both of their current featured chefs. Stephen Lee, most recently the exec chef at Esther's Kitchen. He's in there with a concept called Jalgogies, which is a Korean spin on American comfort foods. I had a chicken po'boy, a kimchi omelet, and their take on a McRib sandwich, which was actually the standout hit, which surprised the hell out of me. Um, really, really good dish. I didn't have a chance to try a steak and cheese sandwich or a smash burger, uh, but I've heard good things about them from other people. I He's had the smash burger this weekend. It was you really, did? It was really good, yeah. Okay, cool. What do you think about the Jalgogies concept? Uh, we just picked up uh, takeout, so okay. Yeah, well, basically, um, Stevens, you know, saying, you know, I guess he's Korean American, so he, you know, he wasn't born in Korea, so he has like, you know, he wants to put Korean influences on American mm -hmm. kind of comfort yeah. foodie sort of dishes. So, and he says he's going to be doing it over there at the Test Kitchen until he finds a place to do it brick and mortar. So, wow. fingers crossed that won't be too long. Um, also. I had three deep-fried arepas from Arepa Head. All those were delicious. Arepa Head comes from Chef Joe Cervantes. He's a veteran of Joel Robichon, as well as the Cosmo and the Venetian. He started doing Arepa Heads at Vegas Test Kitchen in December as a pop-up. He is now there in residence again, once again, until he finds a permanent home. So he's looking, and... Um, Good luck to both of them. Everybody get out there. Check them both out. I mean, Vegas Test Kitchen is just such a fucking gem in this town yeah. where everybody from established chefs who just want to work out new menu concepts to first-time restaurateurs can go in there and really try out something new and, you know, give it a shot and without having to invest. started, too. Yeah, have people talking about it. And, you know, there's not a lot of arepas in this town. And there's we do have some... We have like we already have bulldogies, right? Yep. Which does the hot dog, <laughs> hot dog um, yep. Korean food. But you know, we don't have anything really quite like what he's doing, what um, Chef Steven's doing over there. So I think you know, God bless Vegas Test Kitchen and Jolene. We love her. Yep. 
That's where I go when I want to finally try out my beef stew concept. Yes, that's where you go. Let me explain that. It's beef stew. Mm -hmm. And nothing else. Salt, pepper, bay leaf. He's calling it. Get a food cart. I'm going to go up to Portland where people eat beef Beef stew, stew. unless they're all vegan, fair trade, fair range, like all my relatives. So I think I just failed my own concept right there. I like that you're calling it your beef stew concept. It's like a beef stew program. I was going to say, rather than a program. You know how I feel about programs. All right. I'm uh, recovering from a great weekend I had with my nephew from Portland who came down. I went solo Friday afternoon. I made it to the Oyster Bar at Red Rock. Knowing I was in for a late dinner, I had something light, a wedge salad made with romaine, not iceberg lettuce. I'm a staunch defender of iceberg, but uh, the romaine worked wonderfully. It was a healthy amount of uh, the blue cheesy dressing, which I love. Nice. There's no such thing as too much dressing. I am such a peasant. Um, and as good as that was, the mini lobster rolls were outstanding. A decent amount of lobster salad inside a butterfried New England-style bun. Do you know why it make, uh, what makes it a New England-style bun? Um, it's like not round. It's that squared off weird ass bun, right? Like, is that, <laughs> and it has it's the like na- a hot dog bun, but it's just a not fucking rounded bun. in a hot dog. Yeah, it's not bun, rounded right? because it, they're all made together. So the sides are not crusted or mm-hmm. naked sides. And I have all the relatives from New England say, oh, you can't have it unless it's on that kind of bun. I just don't understand why people would put mayo on fucking lobster meat. So I'm just gone. <laughs> yeah, well, lobster it was, it was, it was okay. Uh, I picked up Matt from the airport. We had to head to Oscars. He wanted to see Oscars again. Loved the Caesar salad in New York medium rare. I loved the onion soup and the ribeye medium rare. And we were treated well by Yvonne over there at Oscars. Uh, we finished off with uh, a cocktail at the Legacy Club, and he was just marveling at the view. And I said, well, come on down. You're nice and young. You can move here. Just got married, so no, he's not moving here. <laughs> but he just loves visiting. I like Legacy Club. Legacy Club, definitely yeah. one of the – it's Legacy Club and Ali on 66 mm-hmm. here in Resorts World are both just that sort of – when you know you're too old to hit the real club, like the nightclub, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> to see Steve Aoki, you know you're too old for that, but you want to kind of do the baller table service, you know, kind of place that you want to go and do that. I, I would go to Legacy Club or Ali on 60. I have to say I had a uh, bargain may not be the right word, but great value. They poured me a shot of Johnny Walker Blue for $45. I remember paying $45 like 15 years ago yeah. in D.C. for Johnny Walker Blue. No, that seems like a pretty decent price. I've mean, I I not had it in a long time. Out, I don't but. order it always, but it was a special Guys, time. Can we get that here? What do we, what do we think yeah. of that here? <laughs> uh, I would have to look. <laughs> no yeah, nice, uh, nice, elegant way to back out of that. <laughs> uh, Saturday, we went to uh, the Sahara. I tapped out quickly. Matt lasted like 90 minutes. Uh, we had uh, sushi over here at the... Um, at the real eats, the good eats, the good food. What the hell? I can't famous, remember. Famous food? Famous, famous food. I, I was going to get there eventually, just going through every name in the alphabet until I got there. And then off to the XFL game, the Vegas Vipers' third straight loss. I had a foot-long hot dog at the game. It had a nice little snap in it and a little uh, uh, relish of uh, onions and green peppers. Uh, it, I thought maybe it was one of Ralph's, but they did not know the brand. And I don't know that he makes one that's truly a foot long. Uh, he makes some, the ones in the natural casing are pretty long. Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah I've maybe got a it was batch that. of them that I'm bringing to a radio station tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got like four varieties of his at home. We ended the night, well, not quite. We went to the D for a UFC viewing party. They, they curtain off the Bar Canada, turn all 20 TVs to the fight. There's like two, 300 people in there, 150, all you can drink. But they do the alcohol version of all-you-can-eat sushi, you know, with like an inch and a half of rice. (laughs) All the drinks are one shot in a 16-ounce plastic cup filled with ice and about enough mixer for five or six drinks. Mm. So you have to go through all of those. I ordered a shot, and she said, well, I have to put it on the rocks. Okay, fine. A little smaller cup. But it did the job, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) Twelve ounces of mixer with it. Uh, on the, the the other one, no. Okay. On the shot, I was fine, yeah. Shot, so. And I had a side of club soda. Because I, I was worried that it was like, he talks about all-you-can-eat sushi, like where you can't order the sashimi, yeah. which right. shot, right? Yeah. Like you have to. I'm like, oh, man, I can't you imagine. you got to eat the rice. That's, that's, you got to have an inch of rice. Oh, yeah, signs are everywhere. Must eat rice. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we um, lost our bet on the underdog on the main event. He lasted two and a half minutes. It was not good. <laughs> And so we had our nightcap at the Golden Tiki. I had not been in there for a couple of years, and uh, even with a change of uh, management ownership, it's just cranking along, live music, wonderful time. Sunday then, 
NASCAR. <laughs> Out at the track, great pulled pork sandwich from one of the many food trucks. Actually, they're not food trucks. They're food semis. <laughs> I think these guys go with the, the races wherever they go around the country. And it's a well-done barbecue nice. on the site and the big wood grill. Really nice. Um, back to Kura Sushi, where I mentioned a few weeks ago, for the conveyor belt sushi, which is a much better deal than the all-you-can-eat sushi. Yes. <laughs> and, and they have that whole mechanical thing, and when you do things to order, they come out on a, a top belt. Somebody seats you, and then you never see a human for the rest of your stay <laughs> because you pay on the screen and put your cup uh, used plates in the little slot, and they count them up. That's one that has a little robot that comes out. And a robot comes with your drink. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, labor's expensive now. <laughs> <laughs> Robots are cheap. Yeah. I'm start yes. taxing them, too. Yeah, Everyone right. can afford a fucking robot, but no <laughs> oh, one can yeah. afford a dishwasher. Uh, home was pretty simple this week. It was the chili and beef stew from the freezer. Nice chicken on the rotisserie and uh, simpleness at home. That's all I got for you. Okay, so that's that for where we have eaten. Coming up in the news, we have burgers at Half Bird and the Nevada Brewers lobbying in our state capital to change the law. But first, our hosts for the afternoon will share their own news. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you are in Vegas. You're hungry and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So as promised, our hosts for the day, well, actually two things as promised, our hosts have brought us out food, which is excellent. We've got, um, well, Nicole, why don't you tell us what, we're, what we have for food here? So on top of Barzazu and Brezza, we also do all the food at Eight Cigar Lounge. So we <clears throat> wanted food that was just kind of easy to, to eat while smoking cigars. So we've got our Milanese sandwich, uh, pepperoni pizza, pizza alla pala. Um, and then we do these lollipop chicken wings. We do a, a hamburger over there. We do we actually do three varieties of the pizza, and then just carne cruda or tartare and a couple simple simple desserts as well. Well, I haven't tried the sandwich yet because I don't know that I could really manage it if I'm still trying to talk. I'll tell you, it <laughs> looks like a beyond wonderful Dagwood sandwich over there. It's, <laughs> it's really thick. Um, but I am digging into the pizza, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for feeding us. Of course. And uh, that's all Rich ever wants, really. He's, the only <laughs> reason he ever agreed to work with me is because hey, there'd be good food. Keeping away my secrets. Chewing what? What's going on over there, Rich? Um, anyway, but as promised... Rob Moore, Nicole Brisson, news to announce. So I don't know, I can't do a drum roll, but you know, <laughs> da, 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 da. what do you guys have to talk to us about? Uh, so a lot of new things are happening, which are really exciting. I want to start with the most exciting thing is Rob Moore and I have been friends for close to 20 years and uh, our careers have paralleled in a lot of ways. When I Back in the days when I worked at B&B, a lot of our staff worked part-time with me and then part-time with him. So it, it just kind of became like this family kind of environment between the two of us. He frequented Locale when I opened Locale. And um, yeah, he came He came on as a, a consulting basis here at Brezza Barzazu because we were expanding and growing and and we had some holes to kind of fill. And he just fit so well with the with the staff, with the culinary team, with the front of the house team, with Bernie, with Ernie, our two owners. And 
very quickly, we, did, we decided to make him an offer. So he just took the position of director of operations. Director of operations. Well, first of all, congratulations, oh, Chef. Thank you very much. That's awesome. You, you, he's very low-key, but smiling <laughs> ear to ear. Um, you seem quite happy. and I'm can, very happy. Yes. Um, so, first of all, can we talk about what that means? Because everybody knows you as a chef. Chef Nicole is still the executive chef of, the, of both of these restaurants. Um, what does a director of operations do? And I know that, you know, even being an executive chef means you're not always cooking on the line or right. whatever. But So where is the, the synergy between those two roles? Well, I've always felt that I was a businessman first and a chef second. And throughout my career, um, especially maintaining a position for a long time as I did prior, um, you're between general managers very often. So you're constantly wearing that hat in the interim and finally you just pick it up and run with it. I've always partnered with a, a, with chefs, um, you know, Sam DeMarco back in the day and, uh, and most recently Jean-Georges. So it kind of t- took away the aspect of constantly being overly creative and just managing the business. So uh, that's where I excelled, you know, Prime Steakhouse be, uh, being arguably one of the most successful restaurants in the world. Um, I was a big part of that reason. Cool. Well, again, it's, it seems like an amazing team. And I know you guys know each other and you're friends with each other. Um, so, you know, congratulations again. I look forward to seeing what the collaboration, what fruits this collaboration brings. Um, but I guess where I have to ask then is that means you are no longer at Rosa Ristorante, which is one of the most heralded openings of the past year. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of spotlight on that. So what happened over there? Well, for, well you, can you confirm, are you no longer with Rosa Restaurante? I'm no longer with Rosa Okay, <laughs> let's get that straight. So, um, <laughs> Very recent development. Okay, so how much do you want to share about what happened over there? Uh, there's really not much to share, you know, um, being part of being part of that concept. Um, you know, I was a consultant and then a chef partner owner. Um, you know, going through the, the last year, it was very rewarding. Um, not only did I get to emerge from uh, where I was before to come out and recreate myself, um, be present. You know, everybody knew who I was, but nobody knew who I am, right? So, um, you know, people like yourself afforded me that opportunity to come out and tell my story. And a lot of stories we did tell over at Rosa. And those stories will continue. You know, the, the team that's over there, they're great. Um, you know, Danny and Mitch uh, running both front and back of house, they're going to continue on and, and still continue to do great things for the Henderson community. But when I got in the door here, um, you know, I walked in at, I guess, the perfect time. There yeah. was um, an, an absence of management uh, leaders emerge. So I came in and just assisted where I could. And, you know, it just kept growing and growing. And like Nicole said earlier, um, the fit was just so natural that and so comfortable and, and the work I've been doing here is so rewarding, I couldn't pass up this opportunity. Cool. Um, so Rosa, I, mean, I realize you no longer speak for them and I'm not asking you to, to speak for them, but that restaurant is still in operation? Absolutely. And yes. your former par- partner in that, David Oseas, is he still over there? Uh, no, Davis, uh, David left a long time ago. Okay, and I just missed that. I apologize for not being <laughs> up to date on absolutely who's where everywhere. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where I'm working most fucking days. So <laughs> I can be no, wrong. David and I still remain close. Cool. Um, again, one of the great, you know, front of the house guys in this town. So Absolutely. I look forward to seeing where he turns up as well. Um, Nicole, now that's there's so many balls to keep in the air today, <laughs> so many things to talk about. So there have also been some changes here within Brezza and Barzazu. Do you want to expound upon that? Yes. So um, I mean, you know, with a new hotel, you're always you're always evolving and, and things change. And uh, my previous business partner has has decided to resign from both Barzazu and Embreza. Uh, that's lended him to go on to to really make, he wanted to grow a company that's making a lot of franchisable restaurants, you know, and, and really carrying out his vision and his dream. Um, <clears throat> so that's what kind of opened up the door for, for Rob. And um, we, we just have a lot happening right now. Yeah, you know I mean, you absolutely do. And and your partner, you talked about Jason Rochelot. Um, so he's he's did I pronounce his name properly? Yeah. OK, close enough. Anyway, so he's no longer with this company, but you guys were supposed to be doing something off strip together. Correct. Right. Amari and um, Amari. 
Am I getting the name right? Yes. Am- uh, Amari. Yeah. Amari. Actually, my name. Okay. <laughs> so that was going to be in the Uncommons area. So is that no longer happening now that you guys uh, are part that, of the company? That, that is still happening. Uh, Jason is going to focus his energy on that project for now. Um, and uh, I, um, I'm going to focus my energy on, on our projects here. You know, we're continuing to expand here. We're going to open for lunch for Brezza April 1. Um, we're looking at really reconceptualizing Barzazu and, and taking it to a whole other level. Um, we're doing a lot of outside catering. We're we've we've got a lot a lot on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, you do. So just to just clarify, you will not be involved with the off strip project. You'll be focusing here. Rob's here. All of that leads me to just saying this is great news for you guys and for fans of this restaurant. It's kind of bad news for people who are fans of off strip dining because the idea of having Rob off of the strip for the first time and you know in a huge way this past year and the news that you were going off of the strip to do something. I mean that was that was heralded by a lot of people like me who talk about food for a living as a major, <laughs> major point in proving that the outside neighborhoods, not well, the, not the not the tried and true places, are attracting really well-known strip chefs. Well, I mean, you actually referenced it earlier with Vegas Tess Kitchen and Jolene, and and how much great talent there is in this city that really, really wants to to take the off-strip scene and the on-strip scene in a, in a very different direction. I think this lends us to really push the envelope a little bit more. And, you know, I still have a great relationship with Jim Stewart from Uncommons and you know how fast this industry is changing. So you never know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen down the line or in a month, in two months, in six months. (laughs) But um, I think I I don't I don't want to talk for Rob, but for myself, after going off the strip and then back on the strip, I I guess the biggest piece of advice I could give any young chef kind of trying to do their own thing is one, it's never it's never as easy as you think it's going to be, you know, and it's 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 hard when you're doing it all yourself and, and capital is, is, is hard to find and um, contracts are, are never truly transparent in some cases and you know, just really know what you're getting into and know who you're who you're getting into it with and, and it's I said it before, yeah. business relationships are harder than personal relationships and I'm not really succeeding at either. (laughs) As a patron, as infrequent as that is, I'm happy to know you're going to be back there in that kitchen because when I heard you talking about uh, Amari and and other things that maybe you have in your mind, I always thought, what's the tipping point for Nicole? When am I not going to see you in the past? Yeah, and I think a lot of people were concerned about that because, you know, you never, I think, as you expand a a restaurant, a restaurant group, a, a, a business, you know, we we saw it happen with Batali. We saw it happen with um, Italy. I mean, they, you never want to expand too much too soon because it just really spreads all the talent way too thin and, yeah. and burns people out. And and we really want to make sure that we focus on our integrity, our quality, our menu development. We've got a huge spring menu change coming yeah. up on Brezza. We made Arnold Corpu is my culinary director. Uh, he's been with me for over 15, 16 years, and mm. he was deserving of that role, and he's really going to carry out my culinary vision and continue to help develop the menus. But you'll still be there, and I have to think that with the expansion of your personal empire that isn't happening right now, you had to think somewhere, okay, I've got to step out of the kitchen on on a mostly full-time basis on X date, and now that date's farther down. Well, I mean, I think you're underestimating how many restaurants Nicole ran. <laughs> with Batali. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that no, was no, and, and, but they were all in one place. You didn't have to drive to the well, lower I did have left to run. I did have to run from casino to casino to <laughs> CS and all those, all those big events. And, and, and Rob, you are now really making that step back. You're not going to be in, uh, sitting at a pass every day, or no, even two or three not. days a week. Hanging that jacket up for now. That's office hours. That's nine to five. Put on a jacket deal. A different kind of jacket. I wish it was nine to five. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a little restaurant five, joke there. <laughs> but I mean, I kind of hit a crossroads when I became culinary director for Batali Bastianich, and I think in my head, I, I felt like I was breaking up with my culinary career in a way because I delved much more into the budgets and the financials and PNL meetings and and growth of, of future projects yeah. and construction, and you know, I I feel like I've done all those multifaceted positions but the great thing about Rob being here is he's such a great finance mind that he can he can focus on that and I can really drive the culinary programs and I think that's what I find important and I'm happy that he's at a a juncture in his life that that's a possibility for for both of us um okay so you talked we we 
spoke not that long ago about um, you redoing the menu here mm-hmm. at Bar Zazu, that you were going to be bringing in a lot more of the, the food, the style of food that you do over the, for the cigar bar. Um, and then I said to you the other day, okay, I'm finally ready to come into Bar Zazu. And you were like, well, wait, we're still working on the menu. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, I thought we just decided the menu. So what's going on over here? Are you still well, I, I mixing mean, things up? We are mixing things up. So we're kind of looking at Zazu as three different culinary experiences. We have the, the wine room in front, which is a very intimate experience that we can potentially offer some local wine chef experiences that we're, we're really kind of working out with our, our PR team and, and the team here. Uh, the cafe the, is very fast, casual, very much grab and go. You know, we're, we're constantly evolving with that. The hotel is doing a lot of different changes here within the hotel. We've got an entrance opening right over by Carver. So we really think that's going to drive the foot traffic, which hence the reason why we're opening for brunch or sorry, lunch first for Brezza and then eventually brunch back down the line. Well, strip, and strip facing entrance. Strip facing entrance was great and uh, very close to the convention center as well. <clears throat> and here um, we're looking at potentially getting some live music and really giving it that loungy feel and, and attracting hopefully local business, but also the, the foot traffic that's walking by. Cool. Rob, what do you think? <laughs> well, you got to run it all. What do you think? <laughs> How does that sound to you? No, it sounds great. You know, these are part of the conversations that we have and we're, we're having them every day. And, you know, when you, when you finally find somebody that you can work with and you can talk to and, you know, in a safe environment where you can bounce ideas off of each other and know that those ideas will be thought about, not, e- not easily agreed to, but not easily dis- dismissed either. Um, it, it, it creates a really uh, good conversation. And we're having a lot of that, especially with this space. Yeah. Cool. Well, congratulations to both of you. I look forward to seeing um, what you're doing moving forward. And obviously, I spend a lot of time here. I'm going to have to start spending a little more so I yeah. can keep closer <laughs> track of the changes. But um, yeah, congrats. Thanks so much for um, sharing the news with us. Great. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. us. Speaking of the news, the news is next. This is Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It is time for the news, and I guess I'm going to start with a little sad news. Yeah. Um, just the word just going out the day before we recorded this through social media that Bodega Bagel is, by the time you're listening to this, now closed. Um, so that is a big drag. Rich, I know you were there not all that long I ago. I still have bagels in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. We. Um, we well, then you're going to have bagels. <laughs> you, you may eat the last Bodega Bagel. Maybe. You may be the guy that's yeah. like the guy that eats the last. Bluefin tuna or something. Man. Oh, yeah, um, thank you. Yes, um, but that that just sucks. And I've reached out to Sonia and told her whenever she, you know if she ever has a story yeah. to tell or if she wants to talk about what she's doing next, that I look forward to um, helping her share that news whenever she is ready. Heck yes. Um, and she is not apparently ready quite yet, so we'll just share the fact that that bodega bagel is yeah. closed. In the uh, rising tide lift lifts all boats uh, category, we have a shout out to the Vegas Confessions podcast, uh, which is also getting into the app business. Uh, they have an app called Vegas Near Me, hoping to be your concier- uh, a concierge in your pants. Okay, that joke didn't work at all. What? <laughs> what? what? A concierge, concierge in your pants. In your pants. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's right there. It's in your phone. You usually have your phone in a pocket. Oh. Which are I guess p- I don't keep my phone in my pants pocket that often. Oh, okay. Most in people jacket do. Jacket pocket. Or oh, well. Uh, anyway, it, uh, it has links to restaurants, but also dispensaries, shows, gambling, and events. There's a Vegas podcast section, which features food and loathing, and on the corner of Main Street, the podcast of the Plaza Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, again, the app is Vegas Near Me. Yeah, I actually uh, met with um, with one of the principals in Vegas Near Me. Had a great lunch not that long ago, and we were just talking, you know, as somebody who created an app to somebody who created an app. Yeah. To, and I got to say, first of all, I'm very proud of the app I created, Neon Feast, blah, 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 go get it. We all love it. But um, 
that I look at what they created. I think we created an amazing app. Yes, I look you at have. The, the app that they created, which I know they spent a lot more money than we <laughs> spent on ours. But holy shit, it is amazing the way that the two that everything intertwines with each other. Like I would, he he was showing me like we could pull up a restaurant's review on there, and I will say I still think um, Neon Feast has better restaurant yeah, yeah, reviews. Yeah, but yeah. that being said, they will. They then have all the podcasts that spoke about that restaurant. Whoa. Like right under the restaurant on the restaurant review. And literally, he was showing me restaurants that we'd spoken about on this podcast. We pull up the restaurant site on Vegas near me, and there's all the news coverage, including our podcast, queued to the section where we fucking start talking about that restaurant. Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, that that's hardcore, and those guys are badasses. I hope they do well. Um, certainly, again, I think I still can, we, we could teach you a bit more about the restaurants, yeah. but it's a great mm -hmm. overall Explore Las Vegas app. There's things, you're looking for things to do with kids. You can set the age that you want and all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow. So, um, yeah, I totally dug, dug their app there. Um, also, I dropped by Half Bird Chicken and Beer this past weekend for the unveiling of their new burger. Chef Brian Howard was not there. He was wrapping up his visit to Southeast Asia, I believe. Ooh, wow. Um, but all the foodie cool kids were there. I saw Chef Gary Lamort, journalist Don, Don Cherusny was there, plenty of others. Howard's partner and our friend John Anthony was there pouring beer, and he spoke to me about the event and the burger. We're rolling out the Half Bird Smash Burger. So Brian Howard loves his Smash Burgers. He's been trying to put it on the menu for some time now, and we were trying to find that perfect timing. Uh, it was uh, going to be something we were going to do as a secret menu, but now we really just want to put it out there for everybody to be able to grab a hold of it. So we're about to open the second half bird in Henderson, uh, and we thought it'd be great timing to get it out before we actually open the second property. You guys have been experimenting with a lot of things that are outside of the immediate chicken and beer concept. Um, you know, you've done the ramen, you know, you've, you've got the burger now. Are you just looking for kind of cool added, you know, special surprises to put on the menu, or are you looking to expand it into a wider concept? Well, the, the idea originally had a bit of a bigger menu. We wanted to focus it directly on the chicken in the beginning. Uh, but as we see people asking for a little bit more and excited about some of these other offerings, we like the idea of having a couple of off-the-beaten-path menu items. Keeping Brian from being creative is like trying to herd cats. Craft House Brewing's Windy Forest was in Carson City this week lobbying our state senators for a change in law. Al caught up with her at Craft House Arts District Tasting Room just before she left to get briefed on what the issue is. I'm the president of the Nevada Craft Brewers Association and we represent 40 of the 51 breweries throughout the state. And what SB 108 uh, is um, trying to amend are um, antiquated business licenses that um, applied to brew pubs 30 years ago. They were actually written in 1995. Uh, so we're asking for the ability to move our own product from our brew pubs to our tasting rooms. Currently, that beer has to go through a wholesaler and then we buy back our own products for 38% more generally. Um, then we sold it to our distributor, you know, four days prior. The second part of the bill has to do with special events. Uh, we're asking uh, for the ability to transport our own product to a special event, limited to 20 events a year, and then also engage as a vendor at those events. I know it's kind of hard since we're speaking before you've actually addressed um, our state legislators, but what has the response been so far? Do you have legislators who are on board um, sponsoring this bill, and what's the general vibe among the members of our state government? Sure. So um, the bill is going to Labor and Commerce Committee. Um, so most of the senators um, understand, but we've been working on this for about two years now. So reaching out to our legislators so they can understand our industry. It's not really fair for them to understand the nuances or um, how our industry is hampered if they don't understand it in the first place. Um, so we've done lots of meet and greets, a lot of um, get to know you's, a lot of tours throughout all the breweries in Nevada so that they can understand our industry and make a better educated decision that affects all of our businesses. Um, the consensus with um, specifically the senators within um, the Commerce and Labor Committee um, has been pretty well received. We have a couple hard no's, we have a couple hard yeses. Um, for the most part, they're shocked, to be honest, <laughs> that we have to buy back our own product and we don't control our own product, that we make in Nevada, that we hire Nevadans, that we contribute heavily to the tax base, um, and that uh, 
these laws even exist in the first place. <laughs> and the laws that exist basically just require a certain channels of distribution, right? Is that the deal that it has to go from, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but it has to go from the people who produce a product to the people who transport and sell the product on a wholesale level down to the people who transport and sell it on a retail level. And that seems to be kind of set in stone how that needs to be done, which in a way can be kind of cumbersome. And please correct me if I'm wrong with my interpretation, but that can be cumbersome when you're the people who produce it and you're also the people who want to sell it on a retail level and that there's a middleman in there that was created probably not anticipating situations such as your own. Correct. So, you know, the, as I mentioned before, those laws are over 30 years old now. And if we want to progress and if we want to play on the same level as the national trend, especially with craft breweries and the craft beer industry, then we need to amend and we need to improve and modernize our, our beer laws that apply to our industry. How can people learn more about this? And how can people, if they decide that they're on your side and they want to lobby people to um, support this change in the law, how can they express their support to their representatives? Sure. So you can go to NCBA's website. It's nvbeer.com. There's a one-click link that will send a uh, letter to your specific legislator according to where you live and what um, area you're represented by. And that'll let uh, the legislators know that you support Nevada Craft Beer. And I should also mention that I have reached out to representatives of one of the big alcohol distributors here in Nevada, um, one that I'm told is opposing this change in the law, and I've asked them if they want to come on the podcast and share their thoughts. Uh, their reps have passed on the invitation, and if they respond, we would be happy to have them on the podcast to um, give the other side of the story. Now that we're done with most of the food here at Bar Zazu, it's time to go. Thanks to Chefs Nicole Brisson and Rob Moore for hosting us, and to Wendy Forrest and John Anthony for uh, speaking to us. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. You know it's available, the usual podcast places. Check Al's musings and postings on the major social media sites. Just search Food and Loathing, and you can reach us directly by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you have not yet done it, shame on you. Go right now. Download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you will find it on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And if you want to see me on TV, my weekly appearances on Wake Up with the CW are now every Friday around 8.30 a.m. You can also catch Al all week long on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe, 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, all the way to Barstow, and 98.9 on the river, all the way down to Laughlin and Bullhead City. Also, every Thursday morning around 8.10 on the club here in Vegas, AM 670, KMZQ. And if you want to keep up with Fernanda, Samantha, Gemini, Stevens, you know what she's eating, cooking, learning, Follow her on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. With Rich Johnson, Nicole Brisson, and Rob Moore, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.